you're having a great first week into this new year, 2023. We're on our way into the new year, and I'm telling you, we're going to have a blessed new year. All the way through this year, it's going to be exciting. What God unfolds in our church and in our lives, it's going to be a wonderful year. Like no other year, I believe, we're going to be so blessed, so enriched by His presence, walking out His plans and His purposes for our lives. And we're going to flourish in His house together, and our whole lives are going to be just that wonderful, wonderful resource of blessing to the world around us. Well, I'm excited this morning to share the word that I'm going to bring to you because at the outset of this new year, I want to talk to you about our church vision. And it's always encouraging to look at the big picture of who we are as a church and what we do to see all of the things. And there are many, many things that we do together and God and, and how God uses us to accomplish those things together. So over the next few weeks, that's what I'm going to be speaking on. That's what we're going to be looking at. But I'm not going to be speaking about what we're dreaming to achieve one day in the distant future. I'm going to be talking about things that we're doing currently together and continue to commit our lives to core values from God's Word that are, that are that are at the heart of our vision. When we read God's Word, we see how important and powerful vision is for our lives. For instance, when the Lord spoke to Habakkuk, He commanded him to write down the vision, to make it plain on tablets, so that after it had been read the reader would run to fulfill it. Listen to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, just as we begin this morning. It says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. On your seat this morning, below your rusty dusty, you will find one of our welcome books. You may or may not have seen it before, but in this booklet, you'll be able to read about our church vision. And we've purposely, as a leadership here, written it down, made it plain, so that as we read it as a church family together, we will run to fulfill it. I think one of the best parts about having a vision is seeing it being lived out in our lives day by day, week by week. And as we go through our vision over the next few weeks, I'm sure you're going to be encouraged because you're going to see how we're living out this vision. It's not an ethereal vision that's up there in the stars somewhere that we can't reach or we can't attain to. This vision that we have in this house anyway is very practical and very visual. Something that you can see that's tangible, tangibly working amongst our lives every single week. And that encourages me to see that our vision is operational and being worked out and lived out in our lives, week in, week out, year in, year out. The Apostle Paul did all of the wonderful things that he did for God because he committed his life to obey the vision that he had received from Jesus. In Acts 26, he testifies before King Agrippa, declaring that he had not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul, the apostle, also talks about running and finishing his race. 
which clearly indicates that he knew exactly the direction he was running in and the course that had been marked out for his life. So he ran with all of his energy, with all of his passion in that plan, in that purpose, and in that vision that he committed his life to in order to cross the finish line well. Paul was a man of vision. When you look through your Bible, you see all of the men and women of God throughout all of the ages, as they walked through this world, they walked with purpose, they walked in passion, they ran and gave their life to everything that God had called them to as they understood the vision and the plan that God had for them. And that's why it's important that we have a vision. We've stated that vision, we've made it plain, we've written it down so that together as a company of God's people and anyone who would come and join us would know and understand so that they would be able to run with us in what God has planned for our house. So there's three key words that we use to encapsulate what's at the heart of our vision. And these words are reach, renew, and release. Three easy words to remember. And these words for us are a bit like a signpost that point to biblical values within the vision that we have as a church. So this morning, I'm just going to spend time on this first word, reach. And in almost all of the messages that you will hear on a Sunday, there will always be an encouragement of some kind that directs us to use our lives to reach out to one another and also the world in which we live. And the reason for that, there's a reason behind that, and it's this, it's because it's one of the main priorities that Jesus himself has set for his church. The first priority being for us to follow the great commandment. That's a priority that's set by Jesus. What we know as the great commandment. We're going to look at it this morning. The great commandment that has been set out by Jesus. We as a church want to focus our lives to follow that great commandment. And the second priority alongside that is for us to fulfill His great commission. And both the great commission and the great commandment that Jesus calls us to live out require a heart within us that reaches out towards others. And because these two priorities, the priority of the great commandment and the great commission are at the heart, they're at the heart of the gospel. We as a church, we as God's people, want them to be at the center of our lives and everything that we do. So firstly, let's look for a moment about how we can follow what we know as the great commandment in our reach towards one another. Now, this is not talking about our reach out into the world in which we live. This great commandment that Jesus has given us as his followers is, is in relation to our reach and our relationships with one another. And we find it in John chapter 13. That's where we read about it. And this night was the night unlike any other night. It was the night where Jesus was about to be betrayed just before his arrest and his crucifixion. On this night, in John chapter 13, Jesus would meet with his disciples in an upper room for their last meal together as friends. Jesus walks into the room knowing exactly what was about to happen to him. 
He was not surprised. He knew exactly what had been laid out before him. He knew the path that he was going to walk on. So Jesus comes into the room knowing exactly what was happening. And the hour for which he had come had finally arrived. He wasn't panicking. He wasn't trying to hide away and run away from what was just hours away from his life. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was completely untroubled in this final hour of his life. And on this night, he chose to eat a meal with his friends, to look into their eyes. His hand wasn't shaking because he was troubled. His brow wasn't furrowed because he was anxious. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was in complete control in the room with his friends who had been with him for some three and a half years. Wasn't sending out any distress signals. He wasn't pacing the floor, counting down the last hours of his life. Jesus was at complete peace on this night. So much so that none of his disciples picked up on the terrific moment that they were in. Because Jesus didn't send out any alarming signals. He didn't give any traces of unrest. He was fully present with them in the moment, expressing his love, giving himself in surrender to his friends. To the disciples, this night would have been just like any other night with Jesus. But this night was very different because they had reached a pinnacle moment on this night Jesus would show them the greatest way to live their lives in new covenant love with him and with one another. You know, it's very interesting when you read the Gospels, and I love to read the Gospels and look at how Jesus conducted his life. It's interesting that Jesus never, ever once, in all of the interactions that he had with people, he never once said to any individual, I love you. And yet, he demonstrated through all of his actions how he loved us, and how he loved anyone that he came into contact with. You know, we often say, don't we, I love you. I love this TV show. I love this nice breakfast. I love this meal. I love this music. I love, I love, I love. It falls so easily and flippantly off our lips so often. And yet, very often, talk is cheap. And Jesus was very careful how he used his words. But he demonstrated that love so wonderfully and so freely and so magnificently in his life and in everything he did. I believe we should tell each other that we love one another. Definitely. I believe we should use our words like that. But we have to substantiate those words by actions, because love is a verb. It's a doing word. It's an action word. It's a demonstrable word. So when you, when you, as a believer, when you tell somebody that you love them, basically what you're saying to them is that you are in covenant with them and you are expressing and extending this covenant to them, towards them. So that if they ever need you at any point in their life, at any time of life, you'll be there ready to respond and act out that love that you have spoken about. That's the high standing of this love. That's the high calling and the promise that we make one to another when we say, I love you. It has to be substantiated by actions, by a covenant. 
Jesus on this night wanted to bring them into this new covenant love. He wanted them to discover the wonder and, and, and the power and the enabling of what this love would do as they embraced it, accepted it, and lived it out from their heart towards one another. Yet, on this crucial night, on this night that was the pinnacle night of all of their time together as disciples, as they met around the table, Luke shows us a side of this night that John didn't reveal. Because in Luke chapter 22, and you'll be able to read it when you go home, Luke tells us that the disciples were arguing, fighting as to who could be the greatest among them. Imagine, imagine now for a moment. Jesus is just hours away from laying down his life as a ransom sacrifice for the world. His hour had come for which he had entered into this world to redeem mankind to God. The disciples start to argue about who among them is the greatest. And it's at that very moment, and I believe it's all set up divinely by God to bring these men in their immaturity into another dimension of living. It's all set up and designed in God's providence for them to come into and for them to see. In that very moment, Jesus begins to show them. He doesn't speak to them firstly. He begins to show them the love that he had for them and the love that they were to have for one another in an atmosphere of bitter tension, in an atmosphere of competition and, and high emotion that was selfish and stubborn, Jesus reached for something that they all had purposely ignored. The towel and the bowl. A simple towel and bowl revealed what these disciples, these trained men, with great ministries and great ambitions, this towel and bowl revealed what these disciples were unwilling to do. They were unwilling to serve one another. But their failure to serve one another became the means for Jesus to demonstrate his love for them. In their culture, it was customary for a household servant to take up a towel and bowl when the guests arrived at a home and wash their feet. The guest had to be honored the guest had to be welcomed. And if that wasn't done, it was a, a great sign of dishonor, a great sign of disrespect. It was a sign to say that the householder did not want the guest to remain in their home. So it was of utmost importance that the, that the servant, the household servant, customarily take the towel and the bowl, and wash the feet of anyone that would visit the household. It was the most menial duty that only the lowest servant would do to wash off the dirt of people's feet. No important person did that. It was too menial. It was too simple. You gave that task to the lowest of the low, 
the servant slave would wash the dirt off the feet of the arriving guests. On this night, the towel and the bowl were all there in place. I honestly think it's my personal opinion that Jesus gave the servant slave the night off that night because he wanted to give everyone in the room the greatest opportunity to express their love for one another in service and devotion. He wanted to create an atmosphere where there was a great moment, a great opportunity for somebody to seize. And yet their pride, their arrogance, and their stubborn selfishness refused to see it, blinded them to the wonderful potential of becoming great. They didn't see it. Jesus was showing them without saying anything. And this is the beautiful thing. Without saying a word, he was showing them the limitations of their own heart. He was showing them the insecurities and the selfishness that had been allowed to grow. And the competing nature that they had. The backbiting and the fighting. He was showing them through this situation that he had divinely created, I believe. There was no servants among them. So Jesus, Jesus couldn't miss the opportunity. It was too great a moment to miss. It was too great an opportunity. Far, far too valuable to just let pass and ignore. Jesus seized it. He seized it because, again, here it was an opportunity for him to express divine love, not, not failing worldly love that just speaks empty words, but divine love. It was an opportunity for him to demonstrate that divine love to the friends that he loved so much. So he took up the towel and the bowl. Let me read it to you from John chapter 13, verse 5 through to verse 10. After that, he, Jesus, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. He who is, sorry, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Whilst the disciples had their barriers up, whilst, their, whilst the disciples were barricaded in their pride, their ambitions, their self-strength, Jesus got down on his knees. That's what he did in front of them all. He got down on his knees because he couldn't pass this moment up to express unconditional love. Love that reaches. Love that ministers. Love that anoints. And even though the night ahead of Jesus would have been the most harrowing night of his life, Jesus would not let this opportunity pass to serve. He'd said before, possibly years before, and maybe the disciples hadn't heard it when he said it. He said, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. 
This is my whole mission. This is the whole passion. This is the whole drive of my life. I have not come to be served by people. I have come to serve the people and give my life as a ransom for many. This is the spirit of Christ. This is the spirit of God and the life privilege that he calls us into. Jesus is on his knees. He couldn't let the moment pass, even though this night would have been the most harrowing night of his life. He reached out to his friends, washing their feet, wanting to express his love to them. He knew that he was going to be denied. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that he would face interrogation and accusation. He would be beaten, whipped, spat upon, and then finally nailed on a cross to die as the Son of God, as the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. He knew all of that was just but hours away, and yet the Prince of Peace, in complete control of his emotions, in complete control of what was happening and the way things were working out, took the opportunity to serve his friends. John, at the beginning of his gospel, said, when thinking about Jesus, possibly 80 years after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, John, in his opening chapter, in John chapter 1, says this, we beheld his glory. We beheld it. We saw it. We saw it with our eyes. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten Son of God. He must have been talking about moments like these. Moments like this, where the Son of Man got down on his knees to serve his friends in love. That's glory. That's glory. That's the greatness of God. Kneeling at the feet of men, sinful men, and washing their feet sacrificially to serve them. Just moments after, you see, he's taking them on a journey. He's setting everything up. He does it so well. It's brilliant. It's beyond what we can ever conceive in our mind. He's taking them on a journey. He wants to get them to where he had been waiting to lead them for three and a half years. He'd waited for this moment. He could have told them this new commandment that he was going to reveal to them many years before, but oh no. No, 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 no. They had to go through many, many different things in order to qualify to receive this revelation. And they had been through the ups and the downs of life. They'd been through the great times of rejoicing, but they have been in the pit of despair, not knowing what was going to happen, thinking that their lives were breaking apart and they were all going to die. They'd gone through the extremities of life to get to this moment, this pinnacle moment on this night. And after he had washed their feet, they were ready now to receive. Jesus made no remark about any of them fighting for position or wrangling in strength to get above one another. He simply directed them out of their failure towards a new future through one command, one new command where they would live their lives in the very love, the very same love that he had demonstrated to them. That's what they were going to discover, breaking into their heart 
as all-powerful, releasing them from the chains of pride, releasing them from the chains of selfish ambition, releasing them from the, the prison and the, the, the burden of ego into a new selfless life that served one another in true love and affection. Listen to it. In John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, Jesus speaking, the king of the universe, the creator of everything, the one who holds all things together by the word of his power. He's speaking. A new commandment. He's not shouting at them. He's not slapping them across the face for their selfish egos and their pride. No, none of that. No rebuke. No list of failures. No, he just points them to the power of something new that's going to break out in their hearts and set them free on a new course, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This one new command would enable these men who were full of themselves to be free of themselves, to love one another as Christ had loved each one of them so unconditionally, so unreservedly would be this love that it would hold them together and enable them to be everything that God had called them to be in their world. And it's this new commandment. I labor with all of that to say this. It is this new commandment that we are called together, privileged together to live in, to follow, to fulfill in our reach towards one another as a church. It's this new commandment that empowers us, that holds us together to go, to, the, to go the distance with one another, to love one another as he has loved us. What a way to live. What a way to express our lives. What a way to, to, to walk with one another, loving one another with the very same unconditional, unreserved love that Christ expresses to us. We express to one another. I'm so thankful to be a part of this church. I really am. Because it's filled with towel and bowl people. It really is. This church. You people. You are towel and bowl people. Because you seek to follow. The very commandment that Jesus calls us to follow, loving one another as he has loved us. All through our church family, all through our congregation, we see people week after week, year after year, putting the needs of others, making the needs of others, their priority as they put their needs, their own needs aside. And I can say that from my heart as pastor here, because Faye and I as pastors see it in operation every single week. I can substantiate it. I could take you on a tour of this church, introduce you to many, many people who are fulfilling those words that Jesus has set in service to others all throughout this church. What a joy it is to see it. From personal experience, my family, and Faye, Faye would say the same, my family alone 
has been so enriched by this church. My, my children, my children have all been taught by the Lord through, through the devoted teams within our crash, within King's Kids, within Identity Youth. All of them have been richly blessed with the Word of God as people, Amen. people have given their lives selflessly, have sacrificed their time in order to invest in my children and in our lives. You can look around the church. You can see it everywhere. But personally, over many years now, I'm not talking about one year, I'm talking year after year after year, week after week after week, consistently, the needs of my family have been met, not just through me and Faye, but the needs of my family spiritually have been met through the body of this church. I'm telling you. I tell you. It's the truth. It's the truth. It really is. All of my children have been taught by the Lord. My life, our lives personally, have been enriched and blessed equipped, matured, whatever you want to say, grown up in God because of the people, the people that flesh out the Word of God in this church. And then you look through our church. You look through what we do as a church in order to fulfill this Word and all of the various departments that we have taken up by people, ministering to others, sacrificing their lives to give. People in our church family opening their homes to have connect groups, to welcome people in, to fellowship, to join together, to strengthen one another in the Lord. And not just, again, for a few months, but year after year after year, opening their homes in order that we can be blessed midweek and equipped and discipled and encouraged with one another. We have a prayer team that devote their lives, taking up the needs of others, presenting them before God. Do you know, the responsibility, like Paul said this morning, the responsibility, it is, that they carry on their shoulders. Do you know when, when you pray? I don't know if you've realized this. You probably have. You know when you promise to pray for somebody? You're not promising to say, you know, a few words for a few minutes. Lord, um, John needs a job. Would you get him one, please? That's kind of prayer, but it's not the prayer that Jesus talks about or the Bible. Said, Do you know what prayer is? You know when you, when you say, I'm going to pray for somebody, you're actually saying, I'm going to carry you on my back. You're, gonna, you're, you're coming to work with me. When I, when I sit down and eat my meal and... and I'm acting all happy in the family. I'm going to be feeling the pain that you carry. When, when I go for a walk and I'm, and I'm relaxing, I'm not really going to be relaxing because you're going to be with me. In my mind, in my heart, in my emotions. And, and, and even when I go on holiday, and even when it's my birthday, and everybody's saying happy birthday, you're going to be there with me. And you're going to be in my mind. And, and I'm going to be praying for you. And, and nobody's going to be knowing that I'm going to be speaking to God about you. But because I've said I'll pray, I'm going to be carrying you. Wherever I go, I'm going to be carrying you. And over and over again in my mind and in my heart and in my emotions, the burden that you feel I'm going to be feeling 
And we're going to get through this and we're going to get an answer because I'm joining with you along with all, everybody else to carry you. That's what prayer is. I believe it is. That's my experience of it anyway. We have a prayer team. They take it very seriously about devoting their lives to take up the burdens of other people, to bring them before God. We have our, our Israel prayer group who now have met for years, many years, faithfully. Our encounter Israel nights all to pray for God's people, the Jews for their welfare, for their protection, for their prosperity, for them to, to, for their eyes to open and see Christ, their Savior and Messiah. We do that. We have our sisterhood group, reaching women. They're going on here, there, and everywhere. I think they're going to the movies next. We have our, our men's ministry. And some of the things that's going to be happening in our men's ministry this year with you and the team, it's really exciting. Really exciting what's, gonna, what's going to happen. We have our worship team. How they've served us this morning. How they've, how they've blessed us and enriched us this morning. In what they've done, we have our hospitality team who make food for us and serve our visiting speakers. Jen Jeans been served, you, you wouldn't even know this, Jen Jeans has been serving our visiting speakers for years. Years. Dave Rose, too. Serving, giving their lives to serve others. You see, at the center of all of these ministries is a love for people. That's why I can say so proudly, in the right way, as a pastor, when I look at the big picture of what happens in this church on a week-by-week -week basis, through your lives, not because anybody has asked you to do it, but because you felt an upward call from God just to give your life selflessly. As I look at the big picture, I'm encouraged. I'm thrilled by how we devote our lives to Jesus in our love for one another. We reach towards one another. We reach towards one another in order to fulfill and to follow this great commandment that Jesus has set for his church, as I have loved you, love, love, one another. And as we continue to live out the great commandment that Jesus calls us to obey, we do it with joy, we do it with excitement, we do it for our lives to flourish as we walk in him. Now, as we love one another, we also find that the overflow of our lives is to reach the world in which we live. That's the overflow of this love that we have for one another. You can't hide it. It just spills out of your heart when we get it right in the church, as we love one another, as we are doing, and we grow in that love, the natural overflow, the natural outcome is for it to spill out into our daily lives, into the world that we wake up in every day. And this aspect of our reach is in fulfilling the Great Commission. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we read about that great commission that we've been privileged and called to fulfill in our world. Verse 15 of Mark 16 says this, Jesus speaking. 
And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You have your love in my heart. You have, your, you have my love permeating all of your actions. You have my love shaping your attitudes. You have my love forming and fashioning your mind. The outcome now of all of this transformation that, that love brings about, the outcome of it all is for you to go. Go into the world. You've got such great news to share with the broken. You've got such great news to enrich the downtrodden and the imprisoned because they too can experience this wonderful love that burns in your heart. Our reach as a church seeks to fulfill not only the great commandment, and we do that well. I really do believe that. But our reach as a church also seeks to fulfill the great commission, not just individually, but we have an outreach team that meets, that goes into our city every week, proclaiming the good news, inviting people to receive Jesus and to become part of his church. We have a prison ministry that's been faithfully headed up by Dave and Stella many, many years, that the amount of salvations through this team is unbelievable. The fruitfulness where prisoners who are in a hopeless place, possibly at the lowest points of their life, they've received the good news. They've heard about Jesus through Dave and Stella and the team, and they've received him into their hearts. Countless thousands of people in prisons have been reached. And some of the hardest, hardest prisons, men's prisons, women's prisons, both alike, they've been to them all up and down the country, sharing the good news of the gospel and seeing it produce wonderful fruit in changing prisoners' lives. We also, in, in, in seeking to express our reach through the Great Commission, partner with other ministries, good news for everyone, hands out thousands of Bibles every year into schools and other facilities. Caroline Kinnear was telling us just recently, went into a school in Monmouth and handed out, imagine this, handed out, my God, hundreds of Bibles to students. What a joy. I tell you, it, it carries these things. They carry eternal weight. They carry eternal weight. Very important. What a joy it is to partner with such ministries. We work with Samaritan's Purse, Barry and the team work with Samaritan's Purse and their work, I mean, honestly, like we, we, we work primarily with Operation Christmas Child that does an incredible amount of work, but honestly, the humanitarian work of Samaritan's Purse is just off the scale. It covers most parts of the world. And we as a little church here in Newport put our support into that wonderful ministry. And then there's our own Jesus Cares. It's incredible. Now, so many people devoting their time, devoting their lives in serving in Jesus Cares. We have, we have day teams operating through the week, Monday through to Wednesday. Then we have a Tuesday night team. And all of these people dedicate their time, dedicate their lives to making thousands of hampers and other essential provisions to give out all across South Wales, 
and the surrounding towns and villages and cities all over South Wales. Jesus Cares now has been working with 150. This is coming from a little church with a lot of servants. Really? A little church with a lot of servants in Newport. We've been working with 150 social care agencies throughout South Wales for the last 13 years. What started as a little seed in the ground that we just wanted to faithfully grow. We had no idea, no idea what would happen with this little seed. But God's people, through God's Spirit, enabled it to be what it is today. Tens of thousands, tens of thousands of hampers are given out every year. You see, as workers here together in this house, we have a spirit. We have a spirit to reach towards one another to follow the great commandment but also to reach out into the world in which we live to fulfill the great commission. And we do this, we do this, because Jesus has called us together, moved on our hearts to serve with one another. I can ask the musicians to come. I trust you've been blessed this morning. Just, and just reminded. Listen, we don't say this often. I don't go through these lists of things frequently because, do you know what? As a church, we're just happy to get our head down, point us in the right direction, and run with a vision. And that's what we do. But, you know, at the outset of this year, I thought it was a good time. And I felt that the Holy Spirit just wanted me to go in this direction as we are at the outset of this year to honor you again. It's not me honoring you. God's honoring you. God's honoring you. Applauding you. Because together we are living, trying our best to follow the great commandment, to fulfill the great commission in our reach towards one another and the world in which we live. I'm going to pray in a moment. Maybe as you've listened this morning, you may not have known about those different areas that people work in and serve in. You may not have heard about these different ministries that are operating in this church. It could be that 2023 is going to be a year for you where your life is going to thrive and flourish as you Make a decision to step out, to step out and serve possibly in one of these ministries. Think about it. Pray about it. We'll never pressure you. We'll, we'll, we'll never, ever, you know, get your arm behind your back and try and move you in a, in a certain direction. Nobody in this house that works and serves with love in their heart for Jesus has been constrained to do it. Nobody has been coerced by another person to do what they do. All of the workers in this house that serve Jesus and serve others sacrificial, sacrificially with their lives do it, not because they've been co coerced by another, but they do it because they've been called by the Lord himself. Maybe it's the first time for you to hear of some of those ministries. Listen, 2023 is going to be a wonderful year for you. As, you. as you take that step and say, do you know what? There's more for me than just turning up on a Sunday. I'm going to get, I'm going to get involved in the workforce. 
Listen, we'll do everything we can to support you, to find your fit within this body. We'll do all we can. Maybe come and see myself or Faye or one of the members of staff, Claire or Alex, or even the welcome, the welcome desk at the back before you go and just say, listen, I'd like some more information about serving in the church. Do you know, Jesus said this, it's better to give than to receive. As you give, listen, my God, when you give in service, when you give your life in service to others within this church, I promise you, you will receive far, far, far more than you ever give. You will receive, I promise you. You'll receive friends. You'll, you'll receive a purpose from God that, that you find fulfillment in and excitement over. You'll find so many things. 2023 could be a year where you're going to make that decision to serve. I, I pray that it, that it will excite you and you will find fulfillment if you are not yet a part of our team. It could be that 2023 is going to be a year where you're going to get involved in a connect group. Do you know our connect groups took, a, took quite a hit through COVID? But it's so great. I'm so proud of our connect group leaders. I really am. Because after the dust settles, they're still standing up. And, and what I love is even, even some of our homes are empty. Some of our homes, homes are empty because, because COVID kind of, you know, sifted as it would our groups. But do you know what's great? Even if our homes are empty, we're still there ready at any time to open the door and have a group of people come in to fellowship, make friends, and just eat food together, sometimes open the word, sometimes put on a video and, and be encouraged from one of, the, one of the talks about the Bible. But it's wonderful. You see, it's a resilient spirit. It doesn't matter how hard we get hit by the troubles of life. It doesn't change who we are. Our reach towards one another is from an unbreakable bond, an unbreakable new covenant in Christ's love. So we're going to see our connect groups grow. We're going to see our connect groups flourish. And it doesn't matter how long. If it goes down to one connect group, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Because Jesus said, I didn't say because I couldn't do it. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's not Dave Edwards' church. Thank God for that. He said, I will build my church. And it's his church because he's the only one that paid for it with his blood. No man did. No woman did. So he's more committed to building his church than any other human being. doesn't matter what man stands up on a pulpit or what woman stands up on a pulpit and, 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 and makes promises. There's only one that can build it. And that's Jesus. Amen. Could be 2023. It's going to be your year. You know what? To meet some friends. You've got lots of friends out there in the world. But meet some friends in Christ. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing. Before we go. Father. Lord I thank you for your people here today. It's a joy. On times. As we have done today. Just to reflect and look at. The big picture. To see how our lives. Are joined together as your body. Working together, laying down our lives sacrificially in love to serve one another. Lord, I pray for every worker in this place. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as I have just spoke about what's been written down and made plain in our vision today, I pray, Holy Ghost, that you would give us a new energy and life 
run to fulfill it. We want to fulfill this new commandment of love that you've given us. To love one another as you have loved us. By this love, the whole world is going to see that we are your disciples. That's what we want. And through this love that spills out from our lives, we're called to reach our world every day in fulfilling this great commission that you've given us as your people. I pray for renewed strength, for a refreshing to come in the faithful work that your people work out with their lives. And Lord, for those among us who may just come and we want to step in a little bit deeper, I pray that you would help us to serve and work, that we'd find fruitfulness and a flourishing within our own lives as we give our lives to your your purpose. We pray for our connect groups, our leaders, our homes, that they would be homes where the broken are built up, where the, where the lost are found, where those who are struggling with all kinds of life's challenges will be energized and strengthened. We ask this for your glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.